Man. Like Nick said, um, I, 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 you guys have made me feel welcome, but it is my privilege and my honor to be with you in the great state of Texas. I firmly believe that I, I was born and raised in LA, East LA to be exact, and I firmly believe that um, I, I, need, I lack the height in my hair to be part of Texas, but I sure have the swag to be Texan, for real. Man, uh, my name is Bianca Wattis Oltoff, like Nick said. I hail from the great state of California. Um, God is, is so funny because he took a Mexican like me, that's Mexican Puerto Rican, and then he um, allowed me to marry a man of German descent. And if you know anything about the Germans, they're the super organized ones and always on the time. And I know it's Thursday night and I'm gonna get us out on time, but I want to make, I wanna make sure that we are waiting in eager expectation to see what God is going to do here in this house tonight. In addition to being a wife and a stepmom and creative director for Propel Women, I'm also chief storyteller for the A21 campaign. We're a global anti-human trafficking organization. 13 offices in 12 countries. And we have the audacious goal of abolishing the injustice of, of, of modern day slavery, human trafficking in the 21st century. Um, I love I love that I get to have the privilege of opening up God's word with you here today. Um, I know I mentioned this before, but I'm being like 100 by saying that I absolutely love Texas. Every time that I'm in this state, I always get more than what I expected. You know, if I order like a, a, a Coke or something, I'm like, can I get a medium Coke? And it comes back at the size of an igloo <laughs> container. Like I get more than I expected. I don't know if it's your hospitality or your Southern sensibility, but my soul is filled every time that I come here. We went to, uh, to dinner before church tonight and um, I was starving. I knew that we were gonna eat something awesome when we came to Texas. And so I, uh, I didn't eat breakfast or lunch and waiting in eager expectation for this amazing meal at, what is it, Board? Barley and Board, super great spot. Barley and Board, no? Yes, yeah, super great spot. And um, had a great time, but you know what? Before we even opened our mouth to eat the food, my soul was full by the company of the people who lead this church. I was on the phone with Pastor Toby a month ago just talking about this series and kind of where we wanna go and his vision and his heart for his people, the sheep that God has entrusted him with, him with, I walked away with more than what I was expecting. So my prayer today is as we go through God's word that I get to, I have to, I want to come with a target spirit and bless you today. Now, if you may not know what a target spirit is, a target spirit is you walk into Target for a pair of socks and gum, and you walk out of Target with $150 of camping gear, and I don't even camp, okay? But I pray as we go through God's word that you leave here with your red car overflowing with the truth of God's word. Are you with me? Can you please holler back and say amen? Yes. I want you to bring your Bibles out. If you bought them out, lift them up and say word, because you got flavor. Oh, turn it this way, turn it this way. Oh, I'm a professional. It just sounded like it was popping, is that okay? Okay, great. So in Mark chapter two, gosh, I am loud. See, I'm Puerto Rican, I don't need a microphone. Okay, in Mark chapter two, we're gonna read 12 verses consecutively and then I wanna kind of pick those verses apart one by one like some baby back ribs that have been in a smoker for 12 hours and when you pull them out, they just fall off the bone to the glory of God, okay? Mark chapter two, for all the Christians who brought your Bibles, blessings upon you, for the heathens who didn't, it's okay, I put the scriptures on the screen, see? Everyone's loved here at Cross Timbers. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, 
the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached a word to them. So men came, uh, some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, since they could not get to him, remix, hold on. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat of the man who was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, mm, mm, mm. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was uh, what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I bet they walked into that house and said, I got more than I, than I, than I came for. I hope that you still have that eager expectation that when Cross Timber started years ago, that every time you walk into this house, this place where the motto, the slogan, the ethos is welcome home, that you turn to your neighbor and say, I got more than I, than I came for. Amen. How many were, thank you for that one person who's with me. <laughs> Five extra bonus points for you. How many of you all raised in church? Raise your hand, church kids. Oh, this is Texas. Yeah, pretty much everyone's raised in church. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a church kid through and through. My daddy's a pastor and, and uh, loved going to church. Now, church kids don't have some of the trials and dramas that some of the non-church kids have, but we do have our own whole set of trials and trauma. You know, like I went to Sunday school. I went to Sunday church. I went to Sunday night church. We went to Wednesday night midweek church, Thursday morning prayer, Friday night youth group, Saturday morning activities. I went to Awanas and Sunday school and winter camp and summer camp. I, 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 I memorized the 66 books of the Bible by a rap. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judge. I could go on, for real, I really can. But you know what, as much as I look back at that upbringing, and my parents are a little crazy, um, as in, like, we played Bible baseball, and I was a home run hitter, okay? The real difficult question, that's a home run right there. As much as I can look back at my childhood upbringing and think it was a little crazy, what it did is it instilled a love of God's word. And so tonight, as we go through God's word, I want this book to become alive. I want it to be a scratch and sniff Bible because the Bible is the only book that is still alive. The Bible is the only book that has living, breathing power. It is the only book written in antiquity and yet relates to us in modernity. There is nothing like the Word of God. See, this is unlike any other book because you could read a book, but this book reads you. This is power. There is power in this book. And I love that the Word of God is an activator. Now, I love this. I love the entire series. It's entitled Move. And, and, and I love this because I'm a doer. 
I want to know what God wants me to do and I want to get up and do it. But the problem is sometimes in our eagerness, we can get up and do without being commanded, commissioned, or even condoning some of the things that God is calling us to do. So I want to make sure that this is vetted in the Bible. Now, today we're in the book of Mark. And as chief storyteller for the A20 On campaign, I absolutely love the Gospels. Like, I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but I can have Bible favorites, all right? And I love uh, the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They give this narrative to the life of Jesus. It's almost like in cinematic quality, almost as if four different movie directors were creating one narrative on one man from four different perspectives. Now, I, I love this because the Gospels are viewed, some theologians refer to this, as the Christophany of the narrative of Christ, which is just a fancy way of saying that this is a biography of the greatest man who ever walked the face of the earth. And I love that in the four Gospels, they talk about Jesus in four different ways, and they have creative license to do that. So the book of Matthew, I I love the book of Matthew, it's fascinating, but I'm also one for documentaries and like Netflix documentaries on like the murder of JonBenet Ramsey. I'm all about that, okay? I'm all about that. And you probably geek out over that. Well, guess what? Um, The book of Matthew starts off the very first chapter. It is a litany of litany of litany of baby daddy after baby daddy after baby daddy after baby daddy. It, it, it has kind of like, you need to drink a shot of espresso before you read that book. It has the, the kind of energy of like Leviticus or the book of Numbers, okay? It is a genealogy because what it does, what Matthew is trying to do, it creates a connection between 300 prophecies of the Old Testament wound up in 1,500 years. What about those that like sci-fi movies? You probably like the book of Luke. Luke was a doctor. So he gives a perspective from miracles that happened without medicine If you're into like mushy, gushy, romantic films, you will love the book of John. In fact, he's called John the Beloved. He would nuzzle up onto the chest of Jesus because he looked at Jesus almost like a daddy. And and, and he was very, very existential. Uh, John 1, 1, God was the word, is the word, was the word. Like he's very existential. He speaks about love in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He is a lover. He loves love. But if you are like my German husband who does not give a rip about plot lines, and you're all about the action, you love the book of Mark. Because in the book of Mark, he ain't got time for sweet little baby Jesus. There is no genealogy, there is no manger, there's no angels, there's no Emmanuel glory to the world. He straight came up to adult Jesus, hair on his chest, smelling like Axe body spray, rolling up with his crew. This is where his life starts. Before there was a Russell Crowe in Gladiator, before there was a Tom Cruise in Missions Impossible, before there was a Mel Gibson in Braveheart, there was Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He wasn't a good man. He wasn't a great man. He was a God man. This is where we pick it up in verse one. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come where, church? He had come home. This is home for many people. This is my first time here, but I walk in and it feels like home. Now, Mark tells us previously that that he had been on a journey. He'd been walking, his dogs are barking, man. He finally, finally gets into a place that he refers to so closely as if it was his own home, but it wasn't. But it referred to as home, not a house, but a home. Now, theologians believe that this is Peter's home. The Bible says that when Jesus gets to the house, he rests. 
I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine this? You've been walking everywhere. There's no Hondas, there's no Acuras, there's no Ferraris. It's just righty and lefty, your feet, okay? And if you got money, you got a horse or something like that, but Jesus is rolling with his crew. D12, remember the disciples? All of them are walking everywhere, walking everywhere. Finally, finally, he gets home. You've been so tired, you walk in, you sit down, and you just want to rest. His presence rested in this home. Now, um, it, it's the equivalent of Jesus rolling through town and people are like, wait a minute, is that Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah, those are his boys, that's his crew. Oh, they're all here, can you imagine? They're po posting on Facebook, they're geotagging on Instagram, they're tweeting about it, Jesus is in town. The miracle worker, the rabbi who's doing crazy things, yeah, he's here. Now, hordes of people, are crammed into this small house. And it's so crowded from the living room to the dining room out. People are peeping through the windows. The doors are open and people are jammed to listen to Jesus do a particular thing, preach. Now people from all walks of life, different stations, different colors, ages, faces are all rolled up because his presence rested in this house. Now the Bible is very picturesque in language. It says, the Bible says that there wasn't any room in the house, that people came out of even the doorways. What draws people from different places and stations of life, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, into one place? Jesus, the presence of Jesus. People knew then, and I will declare until the day I die, that people need to know that if you can get into the presence where Jesus is resting, something changes, something happens, something supernatural can occur, something miraculous is going to happen when his presence is with us. That is why you're here. That's why you showed up. That's why we come to church. You could be anywhere right now. You could be doing anything right now, but you put on your best clothes. I hope and pray that they're clean, glory to God. You put on your Mac and your Mary Kay. You wore your heels or your wingtips. You wore board shorts or maybe you wore a suit. However you rolled up in church today, you showed up. And you didn't come for worship, though it was great. You didn't come for the building, though it was great. You didn't come to hear some crazy Mexican from LA, though she got crazy, but that's great. You came to be in the presence of God, to encounter God in this place, his presence. Yes, we can thank God for that. We wanna have him, we want his presence to rest on this place. Because when we are in his presence, things change. Now, verse two, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Now, I don't know how you read your Bible, but um, I was raised, don't judge me, do not judge, okay? It's premature wrinkles and I'm not paying for your Botox, do not judge. But I was raised watching soap operas with my grandmother. I know, don't judge me, brother, don't judge me. But, 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 but I was raised watching Hispanic soap operas, and they're called novelas. And I know this is Texas, so some people may feel me up in here, but see, see, uh, Days of Our Lives and Young and the Restless, you know, it, it's interesting, and it, the scenes go something like, but John, I love you so much, please don't leave. But a novella, a novella, somebody comes out looking like Sofia Vergara, her hair all done up, and she's like, pero Juanito, no se va mi amor, te quiero mucho. And then a gun comes out, someone's shot, you find out it's a baby's daddy's dog walking cousin, and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Guess what? The 
Bible is like that. It's full of intrigue and betrayal. And we read this like a historical piece of fiction. Oh, bump that. The Bible is alive. And I want us to jump into the pages and see this. Can you be in that room? Now you're there. See, I told you. Can you be in that room? Maybe you're one of those people that in the room saying, Jesus is right there. If he just, if he just, Lord, if he just touches me, I will be healed. Lord, if he touches me, I'll find a spouse. Guess what? You serve in the house, you find a spouse. Oh, okay. More reason to volunteer, amen. Okay, that was heresy. Can you see in your mind's eye the mothers and the daughters, the fathers, the brothers, the skeptics, the sinners, the saints, the lovers and the haters, all there to hear what Jesus is saying. Maybe some of the women are chattering. Maybe some of the single women are looking for that metal check, like, oh girl, he don't have a ring on. I know, he is so cute, Jesus. Jesus is single, ready to mingle like a Pringle. We gotta make our way to Jesus, okay? No heresy, no heresy today, friends, no. They were waiting and they were watching with eager anticipation to see what he was going to do, to hear what he was going to to say. The house is packed full of people. In my mind's eye, there's a holy hush over the room. And the Bible says that he came and in the midst of this, he was doing this one thing. What does scripture say? He preached the word to them. That's all he did. He preached the word. This, this gets me excited. I love when people preach the word. I love when people teach the word. I love when people teach, pre- teach and preach. I love when people evangelize. And you know what I love about this house? I stopped y'all. I stopped you. Yes, I did. I'm not going to walk into a ba- whack house. I, I, I listened to some of Pastor Toby's messages. I love the people he puts on platform. I love the diversity here in this church. You know what I love? The uncompromising word of God that is preached and teached. Teach is not a word, but preach and teach sound way better than preached and taught, okay, whatever. <laughs> Hooked on phonics didn't work for me, friends. I love that in this house, the word of God is preached. Cause this is what Jesus did. We're living in a day and age where people will pontificate over points on Facebook. They'll tweet something tweetable to get a reaction. They'll post some, some interesting quip on Instagram or worse, they stand behind pulpits preaching pop psychology rather than the truth of God's word, and they wonder why there is no life transformation. You cannot get life transformation unless you are preaching the immutable, incorruptible, infallible, unchanging word of God. That is it. We have got to be lovers of God's word. There is no power in your opinion. I I just gotta keep it real. But there is power in the word of God. You must understand that there is a difference between Jesus preaching and anyone else preaching. See, because when teachers or preachers or communicators, see, they just roll up with a word. John tells us that Jesus was the word. Jesus was the word. And the word made flesh. There is more revelation in Jesus' baby toe than all of the theologians from all the seminaries across the world talking about eschatology, divinity, theology, all the ologies wrapped up into one. Jesus was powerful. Check out verse 3. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they 
could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. Can you imagine being in that room? Again, go there in my mind's eye, listening to the living word preached by the written word in a living room. So Jesus is preaching and teaching and he's just dropping wisdom in the middle of the sermon. They, they, they get distracted. Like, what? what? Is the roof opening up? What, what is going on? Now, if, if, if the roof right now were to open up, all of us would stop and stare. So it is not a big assumption to be like, what in the world is going on? But in the middle of that sermon, it stopped, and all of a sudden, you see some dirt falling from the ceiling, and then all of a sudden, you see some hands pulling more things, and all of a sudden, you see four heads peeping over like, oh, hey, what's up? But can you imagine, like I mentioned, historians believe that this is Peter's house. Mm. It's Peter's house. Now, I, I know maybe some of you Bible geeks um, didn't go to like vacation Bible school, but one of the things that we know, um, if you don't know, let me break it down so if you don't know, now you know, Peter was crazy, okay? If you're gonna make a hole in anyone's roof and you don't want it to be Peter, you want it to be John because John will be like, I just love you. I'm so glad that you're here to be with Jesus. And then if, you, if it was like James and John, the sons of thunder, the meatheads, they'd be like, yeah, we got a sunroof. What's up, chest bump, you know? But Peter, uh uh-uh, Peter's crazy. He'd be like, what the, are you? And then he caught Jesus' eye, and you know you can't cuss in front of Jesus. You're like, and then Jesus looks at him, "Mm mm-mm, no verbal diarrhea diarrhea tonight, Peter, Mm mm-mm. But Peter's crazy. Like, I love Peter. I want to be like, like Paul, refined and dignified and theologically sound. And I'm just Peter, straight up gangster. I will cut somebody. And you know what? Peter did the same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane when some soldiers came up and were trying to hit up at Jesus. He got crazy. He picked up a sword and said, I will cut you. And he literally did. So here they are. And they made a hole in Peter's roof. Are you for real? Oh, oh no, all of a sudden, they start lowering. Can you imagine? You see a mat coming down, lower, 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 and lower, lower, and lower, and lower, and lower. And on this mat is a paralyzed man. We do not know how long he's been paralyzed. The Bible did not give the length of his situation or how he ended up in this situation, it doesn't even say the man's name. Now, why is this important? It's important. I want us to geek out. I want us to be students of God's word. Um, This is important because when we study the Bible, it's important to notice little nuances that we find when Jesus interacts with people. And when he interacts with people with an illness or an issue, very rarely are their names mentioned. More often than not, we usually get their gender and their condition. Have you ever noticed that? A woman with an issue of blood, a man with a withered hand, a blind man, a deaf man, a group of lepers, but no names. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny that our situations can become our labels? Oh yeah, she the one, she don't know who her baby daddy is. Oh yeah, that's the guy who has been divorced four times. Oh yeah, that's the guy who lost his business because he didn't know how to do his finances. Listen, don't let your issues become your identity. 
This is what we're facing on an everyday basis. One thing happened 10 years ago for five minutes and ever since then, you got the nickname, whatever. Because we love to categorize people, we love to put labels on people, but the only name spoken over you is child of God. That's it, that's it. Don't let your issues become your identity. And sometimes the Bible is silent on names, so we don't know or we can't identify or think it's just one narrative for one person. When I read the scope of scripture, I believe, and, and even as an author, the desire is for you to jump into the narrative of who you are reading. So I've never been the blind man, and I don't even know his name, but there have been moments in life where I can't see the future. I can't see what's in front of me. There are moments where I so desperately want to hear the voice of God and I feel like I'm deaf. No, I am not the woman with the issue of blood, but I've had a broken heart hurt so bad that it feels like I'm internally hemorrhaging. Maybe they are nameless because we have felt nameless at one point or another. Yes, their issues were physical issues, but that doesn't mean that we cannot relate to them with our spiritual issues. Maybe you even have a physical issue in here today Instead of thinking that that was just for one person or just for them or just for the holy or just for the perfect, polished and pretty, those who show up and know their Bible and whose thighs don't touch, like it's for everyone. It is for everyone. I don't know the paralyzed man's name, but I know that there's people in my life who are spiritually paralyzed and I want to be the friend that carries them to the feet of Jesus. Verse five, when Jesus saw their face, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline the word there. When Jesus saw their faith. Now these men, like I said, lowered their friend and he is in the presence of God, but he's in the presence of God and he still has a paralysis. Yes, he made it into God's presence, but he still has a problem. Just because you roll up into church doesn't mean that all your issues are gone. See, we have tissues at the end of the stage for your issues. We got tissues for your issues, but the only one that can heal you is God Almighty. And I know that this is Texas and we all roll up with our church faces and we levitated on holiness here. and We had communion for breakfast this morning, but I wanna remove the mask and I want to be real. Have you ever come in through the church doors? and you are worshiping God, and you are praising God, and you are tithing, and you are giving, and you are giving communion, but you feel like there is a paralysis in your life. And I'm talking about something that affects your walk with God. There is something that only God knows when you are in your prayer closet, when you are in your car, when you are on your knees saying, God, if you take this away with, from me, my walk with you would be so much better. And isn't it funny that we come to church and we act like we don't have a paralysis? Emphasis on act. Like you walking with a limp, brother, everyone knows you got a limp. Stop trying to fake it. That's not a swag. That's not a crip limp. No, that, you, you got some issues. And the only one that can help you is Jesus. Amen. The irony is that we tell people come to church just as you are. But then when we get here, we have the expectation of them to like be perfect, be cleaned up. Not here, not here. Come just as you are and let God transform you. I mean, here's the thing. Some of you might've even done it on your way here to church today. You know that your kids be driving you crazy. Like you're driving with one hand, hitting them with your other hand in the back. Child, I brought you into this world and I will take you out. Shut up, we're going to church. 
or you're arguing with your husband and you walk into the church doors and you're like, glory to God, hallelujah. How are you? Blessed. Here are my two children, my seraphim and my cherubim. Go to Sunday school. No, stop faking the funk. Maybe you're here today and you just feel like you want to quit. You want to give up. You want to throw in the towel. Maybe you think that this is just a permanent situation and you're always going to have this paralysis. But God has a way of positioning you at the right time to be in the right place, to hear a right word, to encourage, encourage you to stand up and walk in the totality of what God is calling you to do. Amen. Do you have enough courage and enough faith to believe that God is not done with you? Thank God for those four friends. That's why you have to be careful with who you surround yourself with. I, I, I want like friends like this. Better yet, I want to be this type of friend. I don't want to be the friend that's like, oh, I'm sorry you're down there, but you have a better view of the sky. Or oh, let, me, let me make things a little bit more comfortable for you down there. No, I want some tear the roof off friends. I want my friends to walk with me and say, I don't know if I could solve this for you, but I know someone who can, and I'm gonna get you into, your, into his presence. They tore the roof off. They tore the roof off. No wonder Jesus responded to their faith. Time is not on my side. We need to zoom through these scriptures, but I firmly believe that when, when Jesus saw them come through the roof, they descended and they believed that something supernatural was gonna happen. And people there, I'm sure people there were like, when they saw this man laid on the map, all laid out thinking, oh my goodness, Jesus is gonna do something. Jesus has the power to heal, watch, watch, watch. And the first thing out of this man's mouth was, son, your sins are forgiven. I don't know how you read your Bible. Clearly, I'm carnal, but I'll be like, wait, what? I came all the way here, climbed the side of the roof. My friends dropped me in, and you're going to say your sins are forgiven? Eh, wrong answer, Jesus. Clearly, I have a problem. I want to walk. Mm -mm. Some of the holy people are like, yes, he can forgive all sins. That's exactly how it goes. No, walking is not overrated. He believed that God could heal him. And Jesus is no fool. Jesus is no fool. He knew what that man needed. But sometimes our experience and our expectation don't line up, but it's in those moments where we can experience the presence of God. That closed door, that closed relationship, that closed job, guess what? God is in control. You might not know that God is your provider until you've lost your job. You may not know that that person was not healthy for you until you got out of that relationship. We gotta thank God because he might be revealing something to you. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And maybe if I was that man, I'd be like, no, no, why did I come to you? I shouldn't have even come to you. You don't even know what my problem is. Jesus is saying, you don't even know what your problem is. I cannot deal with the fruit until I deal with the root. Sometimes we want to go after the fruit, like God fix this, change is right what is wrong. And Jesus is like, no, God is saying deeper, deeper, there's some issues. Now, before you think that I'm postulating an erroneous doctrine, what I want to say, what I have to say is I'm not saying that this man sinned, therefore he was sick. I'm saying that because of Adam and Eve coming into this broken world and partaking of the fruit, there's consequences for that. But you know what is so beautiful? Jesus is saying, before I deal with the disease or illness, I'm talking about the disease and illness of your heart. And even if Jesus were to stop there and say, son, your sins are forgiven, that is an amazing miracle. But we serve a God who could do both. 
Verse five, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law sitting there thinking to themselves, why did this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? You know the religious people, the with the stank face, like, mm-mm. What's he doing? This is how good our God is. He didn't hear them saying this. He heard what they were thinking. Immediately, Jesus in his spirit knew. And in verse 10, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority to forgive sins on the earth. The son of man has the authority. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. He is alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He said to the man, I tell you, get up, pick up your mat and go home. Go be with your people. As the music begins to just bathe over us and we close out our time together, I want us to focus on what Jesus said. I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. The expectation is not for you to lay on your mat or even stand on your mat or hop on your mat here in this house forever. It is to go out into a world that needs to see you carry what God delivered you from. To go out to be Jesus' hands and his feet and his mouth points, to be like, God did this for me. And I love that Jesus tells him, take your mat. If I was a man, I'd be like, heck no, heck no, I've carried, I've been dragged by my friends for way too long in that mat. I wanna let that go. Some of us need a reminder that this church was built upon the idea of friends bringing friends who need to encounter Jesus. And the mat is a reminder that our God is faithful. Our God can do what he says he can do. So I believe in who that God is. And imagine the entire place stood for praise because someone so low was brought so high. Can you see it? Are you excited? Can you praise God and do you believe God that he's in the business of doing this? If I was a man, I would say, no way, Jose, no way, Jesus, I'm not gonna take my mat. I don't wanna carry that with me anymore. But Jesus is saying, get up and go home. Get up and get going. Go to the place where people know you most intimately to be his mouthpiece. He healed this man from the inside out. He came for one thing, but he got so much more. He got Ephesians 3.20, that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Verse 12, he got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them. All this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. The best years are to come at Cross Timbers. Are you on board? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to move? Stop staying in the house. There is a world outside that is dying, waiting to know that Jesus is the beginning and the end, the keeper of all time and the creator of all things, that there is nothing too impossible for God, that we are limitless because we serve a limitless God, that he, that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you and me, and he's calling to you and asking you, will you rise? Will you show others your faith to inspire others to grow theirs? God, we come before you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We give to you this evening these words, our lives, and our faith, God. You are good. You are gracious. Change our hearts. Make us new. Heal us. But most importantly, renew our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.